episode 87, April 2015. In this episode, Corwin Harrow, product designer at ThoughtBot, talks about his process of designing something new, how he prototypes, and some examples of doing user tests at ThoughtBot. This episode is sponsored by the Dreplin Design Company and Field Notes. What's your process when you start designing something new? When I start designing something new, my first instinct is to kind of grab a notepad and just start jotting down things. You know, I think a good exercise when you start design is, you know, kind of segmenting your problem out into into parts. Um, you know, if you have a larger problem, like, you know, what are the elements of that? What it, What is it going to take to solve that problem? What are, you know, what are some maybe some difficult things that you might encounter along the way. Um, where do you want to take your inspiration from? You know, I think every designer has a backlog of things that they've either done in the past or seen done in the past that they can use as reference to their particular problem. And yeah, and then from there, you know, kind of starting to nail down, you know, how a user might enter and move through the application or the product. And, you know, from there, you I tend to generally start to develop, you know, wireframes that we will then move on to use in prototypes uh, for user testing. And then once that, you know, once we've established, okay, this is how we want our user to move through the product, um, then we can kind of start to refine the design and refine, you know, what the UI may look like and then, you know, start to move on to, to the front end and actually building it out. And how do you prototype? Typically, you know, when I create a prototype, a lot of the prototyping that I've done in the past has been kind of semi-clickable prototypes, usually with Envision um, Envision app. And I find that to be kind of a, a useful tool to get something out quickly. You know, generally, once we finish, I thought about once we finish a design sprint and I have a basic idea of like, okay, I know this is how we want our user to move through, you know, the flow of the application. And I know that we need to hit, you know, this like screens A, B, and C um, to, you know, test certain things. Then I can generally kind of nail something out in a day or two with just, you know, like mock-ups of screens that I design just kind of like in a, as a like wireframe structure and then exporting those out into Envision to make, you know, it applicable and, and to where, you know, someone, I can sit down with someone and kind of have them click through the application as they would if it was, you know, a real, you know, function functioning application. And then, you know, you kind of start to ask questions to them and start to get an idea of where problem points may be and where improvements can be made. I typically don't do like HTML and CSS prototypes because I find that the time investment is much larger. Interesting. I thought everybody at ThoughtBud would go down that road, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, certain when you do it, when you approach prototyping that way, and, you know, it obviously depends on the stage of the of the process that you're in. I think in the very beginning when you're just trying to like just starting to figure things out and just starting to test certain assumptions and things like that, I find that, you know, doing a prototype with something like a tool like Envision or, you know, Marvel or whatever tool you would like to use is is a bit faster and requires less setup. If if an HTML and CSS prototype is very minimal and can be thrown and can be like, you know, put together very quickly and doesn't have many you know, many like focus points, then I think that's okay. Uh, but I think generally if you're going to do a prototype that, you know, has 
that's a little bit more in depth than it's than it probably is going to take more time than you have. Okay, everybody, my name is Aaron James Draplin. Just got done telling you about my whole life. Uh, the good, the bad, the gross, the ugly, the weird, the sinister, the awesome. And now you need to go to draplin.com and buy some killer merch. Draplin.com backslash merch and things that you need, right? Okay, you need to go there and look at this stuff. And then when you're done with that, you need to go to fieldnotesbrand.com and get some memo books. We'll ship them anywhere. If you're listening to this in Vienna, Austria, or Vienna, Illinois, hell, wherever that is, we will we'll ship them there too, okay? Fieldnotesbrand.com. You need these things. $9.95 for a three-pack. Would you pay for coffee today, right? Right, right? You need this stuff. So draplin.com, fieldnotesbrand.com, and uh, yeah. Those are, the, those are the only two links you need in your life. There you go. How do you guys conduct user tests? Right. So at the end of a product design sprint, we schedule user testing with a number you know, of individuals and we'll have them come into the office. Random people? Yeah, random people sometimes. I mean, it really depends um, on the resources of the client. You know, if, if it's like a very niche product and maybe, you know, options for user testing, like, or users that are going to come in to test the product need to have like certain background knowledge or something like that, then it may be, we may pull those people from like, you know, a list of uh, resources that the client has. Or, or, you know, sometimes we may just kind of have random people come in. And yeah, generally I'll sit down with them um, with the prototype that I built and kind of have a basic script of how I want to conduct the test of, you know, certain points that I want to hit. Um, how many points are on that script, for example? Oh man, that's, it really depends. There's no real set number. You know, one exercise that we do during the design sprint is creating a list of assumptions that we have about how the user is going to use the product. And so, you know, we want to make sure that we ask the right questions and, and have them perform the right actions to be able to validate or invalidate those assumptions. But just is it like in the lower tens or, or more than like 40 questions? Uh, it's definitely not more than 40. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, a lot of user testing is just watching and observing. You know, when you put something, when you put a prototype in front of a user that's clickable and they can kind of move through it, and you know, you have them kind of describe to you what they're doing as they do it and kind of maybe express if they reach a point where they're unsure or confused um, and then kind of, you know, asking them questions in response to, you know, have them react and, you know, provide possible solutions and, and preferences and things like that. And what about eye tracking and stuff like that? Um, so I haven't really done a lot of that kind of thing. We do, you know, things like heat maps and things like that to decide, you know, if there's, if we're making improvements to an existing design, you know, where are users going to the most? And again, you know, that's that's just another form of observation where you're looking to see, you know, what common actions your user is performing. And then you can kind of use that information to make any improvements to how they interact with it. Mm -hmm.